This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. Coming up on Wednesday evening, the 1st of November, I'm going to introduce the Domestics, a group of evidence-based psychic mediums at a live event in my hometown of Replank. It's a benefit for Let It Shine. These psychic mediums will be giving messages from the other side. If that's too woo-woo for you, just hang on and consider that you could develop your sixth sense to have more access to more information. An ethical medium and a practical psychic, Priscilla Kerasi can teach you to develop that muscle the way she learned. How did she grow her psychic muscle? She chose to. It came on because I made a determination that I wanted to. So I had um, become a hypnotist because I had a very, very positive experience with hypnosis personally to overcome an eating disorder. In fact, it was the only thing that worked for me. And I was so impressed with the the workings of the mind and the power that I had with my mind that I, I studied to become a hypnotist myself. And it was during a number of my hypnosis appointments that I had with clients, I just began to be aware of other things, other you know, things they hadn't told me about themselves. And it started sort of in the, in the psychic realm. So psychic differs from mediumship. The way that we get that information is, is generally the same, but psychic means I'm using sort of my sixth sense to tune into your sixth sense for information about the physical world. And mediumship is tuning into my sixth sense, and the information is coming from the spirit world. So it began with some kind of psychic awareness. I think maybe because the client was in a very relaxed state of mind, I was in a very relaxed state of mind when I was helping somebody quit smoking or, you know, enhance their self-esteem or whatever it might be. And and also at the time recognizing that there were other things that I could add in to the sessions and my clients kept saying, you know, you said it exactly the right way. You know, I don't know how you knew I needed to hear that. And, and I realized that there was a psychic connection there as well. So I began to purposely focus on that. And, and, and as I was doing that, I was also becoming aware slowly but surely of people who were in the spirit world connected to that client I might have been hypnotizing. Wow. Yeah. So then wow. I just said, you know what? This is a skill that I can learn. I Nobody had touched a magic wand to my forehead or anything like that. And then it was like developing the skills in another language. That's how I see it. So you had success with hypnosis in your own life. You choose yes. to become someone who offers hypnosis. And while doing so with your clients, you discover you have a psychic connection. And then you developed that. Into, Correct. into something that has become your livelihood. Correct, yes, exactly right. What I love about you, Priscilla Kerasi, and why I recommend you every chance I get is you're just so darn normal. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm the biggest skeptic, I think, on the planet. So for me, I need to know that information that is coming to me isn't cryptic, it isn't 
you know, everything is open to interpretation and perception, but I really feel like what's the point of exploring this aspect of the mind if you can't make practical use of it in your life to help you make decisions, to feel better about yourself, to be at peace with someone who's passed away where maybe you hadn't mended fences before their passing. If you can't use it to make your life better and feel more empowered and make better decisions, you know, who cares if you have a twin flame or if you can access your Akashic records? And I'm not belittling that stuff, but I think people would really benefit in their day-to-day physical lives with another stream of information. So are you saying this is something we should all explore? Yes, and I feel like everybody has, at some point in their lives, had um, unusual or ineffable sort of experiences. And I believe that it's not just for special people. I don't even call it a gift. I call it a skill. You know, anybody can learn to play piano or speak French or, you know, do anything that they want with intention, attention, and a little bit of practice. And so I feel, yes, that everybody should. They they certainly shouldn't dismiss it. Even if you don't want to go into the whole, you know, purposely developing it, at least recognize it and don't dismiss it. That sixth sense is like a stream of information and all of it's neutral. And so many people are afraid, like, oh, I'm going to see when somebody's going to die or I'm going to, you know, only see bad things. But the information out there is really neutral and how we choose to react to it is whether it's good or bad. It's like adding another sense. Like if you were if you were blind and suddenly you got your sight back, you know, yeah, you're going to see some ugly things, but you're going to see and you can make better decisions and feel more confident in life and strategize goals better and enhance your relationships. You know, I just think, yes, everybody, everybody should. And one day I want to have a retreat weekend where we all get together and just talk about the signs and wonders and synchronicities and things that have happened to us because everybody's oh, yes. got a story, right? Yes, yes. Everybody has a story. Or two. And there's nothing like having it validated to make you more aware of your own power. Oftentimes, friends and people will come to me and say, look at this feather, look at this rock I found, look at this bird that I saw. And I always say to them, I don't care about the rock or the feather or the bird. I want to know what the connection is behind it. Oftentimes, we stop short of really having a fuller experience, don't you think? I do, yes. Either because we dismiss it or we think it's foolish or nonsense or nobody wants to hear it. You know, and there are people also at the other end of the spectrum who put too much into that. You know, the real discernment comes from using your intellectual mind and also being very aware of your your feelings about something. And I say that, you know, not so much your emotional feelings about, but that, that does, of course, factor in. But what do you sense about this? relationship or this job offer or this trip or this decision. They're the pros and cons that a person can line up on a sheet of paper and logically reach a conclusion. But when you can factor in how you really feel about it, then you have true discernment and and you never second guess yourself and you don't, you know, have buyer's remorse or any of those things where you doubt yourself at all. What do you sense about this? Excellent question. So are you saying that something else is always trying to communicate with us? Or are you saying that we have within us um, a special sort of Geiger counter or meter that can pick up information? More the second, I would say. 
if you, just just think about this for a second. Let's say our your conscious mind, your thinking mind, the one that gathers data through your five senses and makes conclusions, you know, comes to conclusions, is a room with four walls, and there's a door in the front of it. And everything that comes in for you and goes out for you intellectually through the, the conscious mind, the logical mind, the, six, the, the five senses goes in and out through that door. But imagine also in this room of four walls, there's a back door. And out the back door is this wide open, big shared space, big backyard. And everybody in the planet has that same back door to the same place. So everything that you can reach in and look for, if you're looking specifically for something and can bring it into your conscious mind and bring it out through that front door into the world to interact with the world in our front-facing three-dimensional sort of interpersonal relationships. But also you can go look for things in particular or you can just leave that door open and let whatever might enhance your intellectual interpretation to just flow through as well. So I feel that it's within us, but it's within everybody. The same thing is within everybody. The same giant backyard that I can access, you can access, and someone in you know Morocco can access, and, and, and somebody yesterday and 30 years from now can access, because that backyard is outside of time and outside of space, and it's just filled with information. Do, 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 looking out my <laughs> back door. Okay, what do you call this backyard? What do I call it? I just call it the higher mind, the sixth sense, the imagination. You know, I like to to think about it as something personal. So it could be the field, the quantum field, God, you know, the higher mind. But I like to personalize it because it makes me, it reminds me that it's my own also, that I have every right to be there, that I've inherited my ability to access information there. So I generally call it my imagination, my higher mind. Some people call it God, you know, where everything is outside of time, where everything is one and everything is united and um, everywhere at the same time. And I love that you just put it in the backyard. I don't have to travel far. No, you don't. Just have to open a door in your mind. Love it. Her name is Priscilla Kerasi, and I'm so excited that she's spending time with us. Now, I think I have a little bit of fear. Humans can sometimes keep this door closed because we're afraid, just like we're afraid to open the psychic door to the other side. Can you tell people the story of when you first had your psychic door to the other side open and people just kept piling in? Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. This was uh, before I realized that I could actually open and close that door when I, whenever I wanted to. And, and this, I think, is where a lot of people's fears about this are, are based, that once that sort of door is opened, you know, we'll never be able to close it again. And people often ask me, do the spirits follow you home? Do they, can you ever turn it off? And you can. So I, there was a time, yes, when, before I knew that I could do that, where I was startled in the middle of the night. I'd gotten up to use the bathroom and I was living alone. And so I just kind of stumbled into the bathroom, didn't shut the door. I was sitting there and I looked over my shoulder, kind of out the bathroom door. And there were two pilots sitting, standing there in my living room. And I just slammed the door shut. And I was like, this has got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, because I, you know, I wouldn't let, I would not allow 
physical people to come and just get my attention or interrupt me. And so I had a long talk with myself and the spirit people, and I said, you can come when I call you. You can come when there's an appointment. Or if you have really something to say that's very important that I need to know, then just drop it into my mind. I don't want, I I hate to be startled. I hate that. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid, and there's nothing to be afraid of with the spirit people. But if they pop up out of nowhere, it can be pretty startling. And I think the thing to remember is spirit people are eager to communicate with us that they're still who they are, that life goes on, that, you know, let's all love one another. And if they see a way to do that, they might often just sort of show up. Personally, I don't like that. Other people might. So I said, no, when we have an appointment, then you can come or during a meditation or when I invite you. But don't just walk into my house because that's just not cool. And since then, it's been respected. Do you use this part of yourself for yourself? Do you speak to your departed relatives? It's very hard to read oneself. Because I have an emotional investment in the outcome. So when I'm reading for somebody I don't know, I am not so conscious of what I'm looking for or what I'm hoping to hear or those sorts of things. So I'm aware of my spirit people in a different way than I am uh, when I'm doing a reading. I just feel waves of love that has the flavor of my dad, for example, or or my nephew, or my one of my grandparents. For me, it's something almost like I'm living in the world with them, and they're still in the world. So there's kind of a comfort level knowing that they're just there. But we don't have the sort of, I mean, occasionally there are those wonderful kind of visits and those unmistakable signs. But for me, it's more the comforting knowledge that we're still in the same world. Beautiful. And now I'm picturing them on the other side, like your grandparents saying, hey, you want to talk to your relatives? I got a girl down there. I can do it for you. Exactly right. I'll hook you right up. You got to meet my Priscilla. She'll help you. Um, All right. What is it? What is it you most want our listeners to know about the work you do? I would say it's not that far removed from you. And it's definitely worth exploring how you individually become aware of your own extrasensory perception. Everybody has this back door. Everybody has a sixth sense. It's built into who we are. You know, originally in in our very uh, primitive life forms, you know, they were survival instincts. They were maybe even a a, a deep, deep kind of a memory, but, but really very much a part, I think, of our biology or our physiology. And nobody needs to be told or accept that only certain people can access this. Those people are no more gifted than, than you know, the average person. And it is absolutely worth doing some, even some easy exercises like yes and no. You know, when I'm teaching somebody uh, to get familiar with their own ESP, um, one of the things, the very first thing I teach them is to understand how yes feels for them and how no feels for them. And this way, if you have nothing more than this, you can be aware of the signals in your own mind that are telling you, even if the logic says something completely different, nah, this is a bad idea, or I don't think we ought to drive this way. So, you know, and the sixth sense of information isn't always about dramatic things. Like, if you don't 
if you get in that elevator, you'll get mugged. You know, it's not it's not always about violent or life changing things. It's a guide for us in our day to day life. And if you can trust your own instincts about yes and no, positive and negative, truth and falsehood, already you're miles ahead of everybody else, and you're going to be able to make much better decisions about finances, health, relationships, everything. So I would say don't ever let anybody tell you that you need to be special to access your own extrasensory perception. And you teach? Yes. I don't think there are enough mediums and psychics out there in the world, even if you don't do it for a living. I think everybody ought to have, I think it ought to be taught like arithmetic. I really do. Mm. You know, I recently toured Lyndhurst Castle. They have Lyndhurst after dark for the you know holiday season, the Halloween season. And mm-hmm. one of the things they talk about when they talk about the people who have lived in the castle, but that in the 1800s, having seances and, and communing with those passed on was normal. That you would have a seance on a Saturday night and then, you know, go to church or whatever on Sunday, that it was really much more part of life than it is now. Yeah, sure. Especially after, well, there was a real revival in spiritualism, which is where a lot of seances and mediumship is based, right around the Civil War and immediately after. Because for the first time in history, regular folk could see, because, you know, battlefield photographs were being published, people could see that dying in battle wasn't necessarily a glorious thing it could be it could be really sad and ugly and and often people were wondering here's a photograph this could be my son or my brother or my husband and he looks in agony and he hasn't been buried and people really began to wonder you know are they all right spiritualism was a growing religious movement in the united states at that time uh, and at one point around the time of the civil war about 25 percent of americans were spiritualists where mediumship is a big and therefore seances were a big part of this type of gathering in their philosophy. There wasn't really a worship uh, of sorts. So seances became very, very popular. And, you know, of course, there are people who, hoaxers and this sort of a thing, but they were very common from the White House to farmhouses, something people were comfortable with. Nobody thought, or most people didn't think it was the woo-woo thing that they think it is now. Could you tell us how to spot a phony? Well, first of all, I would say there's some of the obvious things that a person would see um, doing business with anybody. They want to take your money first. They're not going to give you any guarantees. Um, They're going to ask you for more money before the session is over. They're going to make promises or talk about curses or talk about the only way you can get this back is if, you know, if I make this special candle for you and you pay me another $200. So if the price keeps going up during the session or the psychic or medium starts to talk about curses or things that you cannot validate yourself, things that don't make any sense to you, or starts to use some lexicon that is just, you know, the the guides this, the, you know, the Akashic Records that, you can stop it right there. Another way that you can spot somebody who is faking it is if they're asking you a lot of questions rather than giving you information. So as an evidential medium, my job, I don't want to hear anything from the client. I'll take your first name. That's about all that I want to know because I want to tell you who's here. So if I say, you know, I have a man in the spirit world, I don't want you to say, oh, that must be my dad. 
you know, the, the less information a true medium has or an ethical medium has, the better they're going to be able to bring your spirit person in. So if somebody asks you, a medium asks you, you know, who are you looking for? What's their name? What's their relationship with you? And then begins to give you sort of generic information and, and seems to fish a little bit. I'm not going to say that they're that they're a fake, um, but they may not be able to connect with you. And mediumship, it's a different cocktail every day. There are some people that I can't read one day and I can the next day because I'm only the, the translator. And, you know, my clients are also the spirit people. And if they can't sort of find my frequency, I'm, just, I'm not going to be able to make a connection. But an ethical medium will say, I, within 10 minutes, I, I don't think we're making a connection. I'm going to end the session now and you don't owe me any money. You know, the regular, I think the regular ethical experiences you would expect in any business transaction. And of course, your own feelings. If you feel like the person's a fake, they're probably a fake. So I would say, you know, if you're looking for a medium or a psychic, probably the best thing to do is get a recommendation from somebody you trust. She's an ethical medium, a practical psychic, Priscilla Kerasi. I just want you to take one minute and talk to the person who says, I'm going to this event and I want to get a message, but I need the person on the other side to mention the blue coat, not the blue plaid coat, the blue coat with the brass buttons that I wore that Easter back in 74. Talk to Mm. that person. Well, you're going to be disappointed for two reasons. One, the spirit people aren't aren't performing monkeys. They have a reason to come through and they have a need to say the things that they have to say. And for them, they might not need to talk about the blue code with the brass buttons. Secondly, and I think more important is if you're coming in with that in your mind, it's not necess- it's more likely to be, if the medium says it, it's more likely to be a psychic connection. Like I'm picking up that this is floating around in your mind. It's got nothing to do with your dead person. It's something that the physical connection we have, the psychic connection that I have with the sitter, the person who's listening, is going to give me that information. The spirit person is going to talk about themselves. They're going to give information about themselves. They're going to give evidence. I don't like that word, but it's the industry word, evidence of who they were when they were alive. And that means they're choosing. I'm not choosing what they're going to say. So I would say relax, have an open mind, let the spirit people come through. If you are in a in an attitude of it's only got to be this way or I'm not going to believe until, you're going to miss a lot. And that's too bad because your spirit people are doing the best they can through a translator to tell you, I'm okay, I'm still alive, I love you, I'm sorry, whatever it is that they need to say. And we're going to hear some of what they have to say Wednesday night, November 1st, Mount Carmel Hall. Doors open at 6, messages at 7. Priscilla Kerasi, part of a group of evidence-based mediums who call themselves the demystics as they demystify communicating with different realms. For more about that, go to caseysplace.com. You can grab a ticket there, and walk-ins are welcome too. Priscilla's website is apracticalpsychic.com. I want to give a shout out to Margaret and Lauren. Margaret and Lauren, good to see you again. When we held our day of gratitude at Graymore, gosh, was that last weekend? Such a magical day. We're going to have the great gratitude Zoom coming up in November. I know I said we wouldn't Zoom in November and December. And then everybody told me that's a bad idea. We need to Zoom in November and December. So we have the great gratitude Zoom on Monday, November 20th at 6 p.m. And then we'll have a Zoom in December, Monday, December 18th. The theme will be signs and wonders. Looking forward to that. Casey'sPlace.com always has more, as does a circle of women on Facebook. 
Facebook. Our thought for the day is from Albert Einstein, who said, The intuitive mind is a sacred gift, and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. Shana. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week. It's your time to shine on.